American heartbreak, Iraq, on which freedom stumped its toe, the great mistake that Jamestown made long ago. By Langston Hughes, American Heartbreak, 1619. The White Lion by Claudia Rankin. Even dawn begins before its beginning and still in the tale of the beginning that forestalls an end let's agree a long way from the kingdom of Indongo to English ships pirate a third the Portuguese Sao Zao Bautista and split up its human cargo the first vessel to land at Point Comfort on the James River enters history and thus history enters Virginia as twenty and odd Negroes are offloaded from the white lion. The men of war carrying movables. Blacks stripped to Christian names. The white lion carrying a man-made fate makes landfall while Virginia beginning its system of land grants whitens white indentured servants by bestowing on them property whitens whites who through the act of trading victuals for the stolen renamed unfree transatlantic labor their griefs transient in reason much inferior are inaugurated master as if any black would, as if anyone could, surrender their value, human, to tobacco, sugar, and cotton. The yield of Powhatan 
lands while Virginia writes itself colonial, filling its first property ledger with 20 and odd of the uprooted 12 million, including Anthony and Isabella, who, out of the white lion's hold, step into the hole of history to give birth to the first child to take the first steps provisionally toward African American in Virginia. William, so called born free, they say, though all the while Virginia's wiles still sell across centuries, leaving a wake with each recurring swell, drowning out what Anthony and Isabella said to William about love in love. In Kimbundu or Kikongo, as if we could stop knowing how to know what we know. Daughters of Azimuth by Nikki Finney. I led my sisters into the woods on Sundays when Mrs. goes to town. We don't have long, but have long enough. I am meant to from the world before not Mindy. From now, my womb has been made ready. All that remains is the long math of my feet guiding my swollen eyes to look beyond their iron codes and paper declarations. There are five of us who have stopped our line, barren of them and unownable. We afford no one a swollen belly to weigh or follow work as hard as men, but that is not what pounds their empty chambers. The vertical ones with gold coin eyes care only of the increase 
their new laws fatten our children into a tableau tapestry of fatted calves, height and weight, their only worth. The mercantile window to seed us has been shut by our own hands without the whole truth in plain sight. They sell azimuth fast. We look the part but can never join the increase. Their spewing vertical rods have poked us raw back and front behind the barn. Mornings, we are tied, hanging from oak trees by our lion arms while they spread their vertical seed inside our hearts. We refuse the birth of any new world blue-eyed enslaved other before we are sold again we pass on to the girls coming how not to barren themselves from each other how to angle far enough far enough away as far as any unownable woman can become a kernel of late August corn inside of this dark cave as far away as any unfree woman might be able to live above the vertical death they have now inked into their country with our defying blood. Yesterday, seven new girls in a wagon bent shaking, walking for mama. What's that? Long dead village of women whose legs we all fell from. But who were not allowed entrance into this bloodthirsty place. Each girl has dropped her first seed, so we move fast. The gray-headed women rolling their hands like the head of an aisle, owl to the moon have given their nod. We made enough blue paste to fortify and keep
camouflage. Once in the woods, we pair, squat, hold our legs open to each other. One azimuth for every new girl. Our long, tender hands coat each blooming womb. Ever careful around their buttons, riding shotgun near their pleasure. In order to remember the point at which the vertical circle passes through the object in order to intersect the endless horizon. The blue paste is sealed inside. They will cramp and swell, float about like a pod of baby wells for seven days until they get their bearings. In in Arabic, I will recite the old poetry ending with Altitude is never the same as azimuth. She is Yuka from the world before, not Emily from now. Stooping on the bank, soon to instruct the final things if the dirt and ankles are willing. Two long right angles, north and south. In pugnacious eastern alignment. Yuka, our tall surveyor, instructing where to put our valuables. Swing our thick waist telescope every parrot eye in search of one motion. Head wrapped doula of return leading back to the land of mother wit. After the mother has been gagged, bound, and pushed overboard again, how to turn ourselves away from their shiny human franchise, their gold portrait coins, interfering with the purlue of our bearings, who we are and how it is possible here, even in their savage world, to visit ourselves, levitate our world of before. All this and more can horizontally said without sound still belong to us. We are one line of women 
foot and I hitched to the celestial zenith, slinking, slinking together along the lone rim of the horizon, free of their feral seed, knowing full well they would slaughter us like hogs. Bad, they have a notion that beyond their animal, animal husbandry, we kept loving each other. Conjured by Honoré Fanon Jeffers. How old, how tall, how kind. We won't ever know. But Samba kept plotting the demise of the French until his end. And all right, that's a tragedy for him. The one whose name means second son in the Fulbay language, as well as those other conspiring Africans who died alongside him when they conjured as that Frenchman claimed his excuse for scoring their flesh with fire. These men who dared to want freedom? Or did those brothers simply love Samba? A man who'd revolted once before back in Africa in some fort that was constantly tugged between the French and the Portuguese. Samba had refused to accept slavery. Perhaps he knew that death is a blink, a pain before crossing to a place of no bondage. And aren't you reading Samba's story right now? Aren't you curling your lips around his people's language and tasting the blood of struggle? And what of that colonizer who resorted to the cowardly will recording what he believed to be victory over Samba 
be honest with me. Will you even remember that Frenchman's name? A gazelled sentence after, quote, my people hold on, end quote, by Eddie Kendricks, and the Negro Act of 1740 by Terrence Hayes, wherein a particular people are allowed to make slaves of people after the 1739 revolt where people convinced tools useful in implementing their people's freedom had been stolen from them, pursued people to a river shallow enough for people to cross on horseback and some of the people leapt into the river kicking their legs like people on the river bank kicking the legs of the horses and the people on the horses while some people managed to briefly evade retrieval by people who could not see the people they pursued, could not be retrieved. People, because your body belongs to you and certainly not to the kind of people who devised laws to make properties of people after the people at the river were captured, their heads put on stakes along the road, and people who briefly eluded pursuit before being recouped or returned to people so afraid of working for themselves, they made it illegal for other people to work for themselves, grow their own food, congregate and educate their own people without say so of the kind of people who come after people pursuing freedom for their people while pursuing freedom for the people who come after their people.
wall. Message. The audacity of hope to find hope in the midst of despair is a sacred thing born of wings we cannot remember we once had not knowing we will have them again to wrench joy from the jaws of unthinking degradation is a triumph beyond compare to find solace in the swirling abyss of sorrow is as courageous an act as we might perform to seek beauty in a massive pile of scattered dreams is cradling a tender innocence that cannot die to find sanctuary within a crevice of noise is a display of unconscious heroism to create within the rubble of destruction is elaborating upon the tenets of bravery to have faith when the sky is crashing around you is to demonstrate the strengths of being more than merely human to rise again from the grief that befell you is to succeed in gathering wisdom to gather wisdom from such agony is a sacred thing born of wings a poem written by Wanda Leah Brayton the audacity of hope Bouquet for Sylvia Platt, inspired by her poem Tulips by Wanda Lea Brayton. Bouquet for Sylvia Platt. Ignore the loud stretching of flowers. Sylvia, their breath aching toward an open sky, their fragrance will evaporate soon enough to forget how vivid they were. Remember their tender roots instead, shuddering beneath the bitter soil that rages 
cracking under first frost's leaden foot. They retreat into the dusky dark, their sinews yearning for warmth that wanes. Ah, but there are still seeds whispering in the yard, singing slowly those ancient secrets of spring. The blooms will wilt as they are wont to do. It is their duty to fade from trembling fingers grasp. The petals will fall perhaps to be savored and saved for potpourri. A scent that lingers long after the gift was given and gone. The mandates of survival require us to tend our gardens well, to remove unwanted weeds, and thrust our hands into this daunting dirt. Our stems are stronger than any wind that shivers through our lives. There will always be more flowers to come. It is only these moments alone that are few and fierce. A poem titled Fledglings Have Fallen. Fledglings have fallen from their nest a song in their ancient rubied throats lost to the descending darkness of an unmitigated demise. Too soon they perished before they felt the rise of primordial wind beneath their nascent wings. They instinctively trusted the strength of the bow they breathed upon, not understanding the power of an oncoming storm. Their parents trapped under turned leaves until it passed and they could pursue home again. When they arrived in the 
emptiness you left behind. The music was muted by savage fear. They dared not look for you, knowing your tiny hearts had become a long, strange melody they could not hear. An odd mapping of blood on stones below their eyes. A poem titled Language inspired by the novel Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. Poem by Wanda Leah Brayton titled Language. Moments may lodge in the tightening of our throats, separated from sound. Only a murmur comes or a moan, a sudden silence speaking volumes never written or recorded in any language save that of a heart swelling bursting its banks stunned into a precious pause that has no definition no Orders etched on any map. They can be seen in languishing gestures coiled inside cloaked shadows caused by a trembling hand that reaches out stops midway between here and where it meant to go, then bravely goes on, gathering those same shadows into something that finally makes sense. They cannot be discerned under a sterile microscope, nor viewed through a stargazer's eyes. They must be experienced as an individual fragment of time that ceases to move seen only through the latticed whisper of a butterfly's stilled wing, a portion of song given only to you, only by the glistening smile 
of a unanimous universe. There. Right there. Just before you blink. A poem titled Norma Jean, inspired by Marilyn Monroe's poetry. Written by Wanda Leah Brayton. Norma Jean, your sinuous vines were meant for more than bearing fruit, for gathering wind in your leaves curled against the storms. The soil shuddered beneath your feet, swaying within the onslaught of unrepentant tides. You were golden, a kinetic glow surrounding your skin too many longed to touch and tear. When the wind grew too fierce, you burrowed beneath your slow blankets of flame, surging, trembling, still We are sustained by your tragic warmth. Restlessly drink from your wild vintage. A poem titled Unfeathered. A short poem by Wanderlea Brayton. Flight is precious to those who are earthbound. We see this unending sky and covet wild wings we do not have attached to our mortal frames. Yet still, our souls soar beside the fragile bird who lingers aloft. Steadfast, we long to seek those radiant realms where moonlight swirls without falling. We drift beside quiet streams and imagine the sea. We are creatures of gravity soliciting the stars. A short poem titled Semblance. Like the sky, tenebrous 
eyes split, spilling remnants of song. Wet bouquets gathered into my arms. Dense language, reminiscent of loam. Categories defy mirrors, soliloquy. Labels, obsequious without a discerning glance for what comes seeking wind, finding flame instead. A short poem, Songs of Neruda, inspired by an excerpt from the poem To Many Names by Pablo Neruda. Flowers remember with tender bitterness the wild and willful pleasure you found in a moment composed of only roots and stones, neglecting their fragile sense with your broad hand, your brimming eyes. They have forgiven you with songs of unfolding silk. Dusky petals drift fragrances slowly across somber soil embracing you now. Thank you for listening. Now my main girl is a believer. I think it's time for me to have a come to Jesus. And my side chick be telling me to leave her. But heaven ain't letting in cheaters. Gonna follow my heart and do the right thing. Gonna drop to my Wanderlea 
Britain with casual breath. I do not love you with casual breath, an unconscious act by which I only exist. No, I inhale your scent and am captured in flight, a winged creature with oceans of sky to traverse, lost inside torrid thermals rising above mountainous ranges with purpose and with feasts of pure song. I do not love you when the fire wanes on the hearth, its glow fading deep into night, final sparks ascending into the realm of innocent dream. No, I embrace your warmth as we lay curled together, fluttering flames that will not cease to illuminate our surroundings with sweeter solace, scattering stars. I will not love you as the sun claims its position among bellowing clouds, filtering sepia light where shadows would shiver among the trees, petals drifting as fruit becomes ripe and falls into our outstretched hands, a gentle harvest unimaginable to those who weep in their empty abodes alone with memories. I cannot love you with mere vagaries or evolutions for they could not contain the vastness of this utter delight, this burrowing beneath my bones that causes my heart to sway within its fragile folds where life burgeons forth. No, I cannot regale you only with hands or with words, for they could never define these elegant sonatas you etch upon my very soul from the simple complexities of your gaze.
chandelier. Return. History through her eyes. History seen through her eyes. As he turned to go, he whispered, I can never write you home. It was spoken through perforations of history, those ragged splinters cleft between two hearts, their stitchings ragged with effort and futility. One last thought offered before the wretched sinking beneath the waves of a drifting hand. A quiet, fare thee well, a final letting go. The old oak door closed heavily, a soft click of the lock, its punctuation. Silence set in the corner, its head bowed. Nothing moved, not even shadows. The sea had never seemed as subdued, nor the rain as tender as those first days and nights without his presence filling this small room. His coffee cup sits on the counter, waiting to be warmed. Please, just once more. To be held between his rugged, sinewy hands as he stared through the window at what lay beyond. Somewhere out there where I could never go, where he knew I would not follow. Sometimes in the morning before consciousness fully arrives, I reach across the empty bed for him. Forgetting he is gone. And then memory and gravity return, clutching my fingers.